0: Hey, what's going on Automotive World? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I'm going to do that host thing for you again today. On the show, joining me today is Noah Kite. Noah is located in North Carolina. He's a technician for a Volkswagen, Audi specialty shop and is on the younger side Um, And that's one of the reasons he wanted to join me today is to share his perspective as a younger technician, uh, his journey to becoming a technician and the place he's at right now. And we're going to talk about a number of things in the industry. Um, But Noah's a very well-spoken young man, and I enjoyed talking to him quite a bit. I think you'll enjoy this episode as well. And just one note before we get going. I'm not sure what happened to the audio quality on my side of things for this recording, but it sounds like I'm talking through a cardboard tube from a payphone. Um, and I tried to clean it up the best I could, but it sounds terrible. So, I'm not exactly sure what happened here. Uh, but luckily, uh, Noah does plenty of talking and his audio quality was just fine. So, apologize about that, uh, but it is what it is. So, other than that, let's jump right in. Okay you just kind of want to talk about your uh path yeah to becoming or getting into being a technician
1: yeah i um man i really enjoy um hearing from other techs um, that's kind of where like, i like i i was looking up on spotify just like any automotive podcasts and most of them are like how to build a camaro and you know just like they kind of niche stuff And, um, I found the, like your podcast and I was like, Oh, finally. (laughs) So, and I, I just, I I haven't, um, I've probably been listening for like three months or so, just hearing people's stories. Um, and I find it really interesting. Um, a lot of, I know a lot of guys that you have on here have got a lot of experience. Um, I think the one guy you had, like, he was a, I think it was Ben's story. He said he'd been doing this for like 12 years. Um, uh, I don't have as much experience as I do have. I feel like I have experience in, um, like the more recent events, uh, per se. And just like the more recent vehicles, um, like specific to Volkswagen and Audi. Um, cause okay. uh, the newer platforms are just getting really complex. Um, and then another thing I want to get out there is, um, I had an amazing mentor. He was phenomenal. This dude, you're going to hear the story. It's, it's awesome. And, um, uh, you know, if, if there's a younger guy listening, just like tips on like, if you want to follow these paths that I feel like a lot of these guys have followed, um, there, there are some things that, that need to happen, you know, kind of a little bit of preaching. (laughs) Gotcha.
0: No, I, I love it. That's awesome. Um, cool. Well,
1: I was gonna say, do you because um, there's a lot to talk about, so I know, I know you can't I don't, I'm not sure if you can fit it all. Do you want to hear about the um, service writing stuff? Because was yeah, I was, I was a, like a service I mean, like a loop tech service writer and then a writer.
0: For sure. yeah okay. um, I mean it's all it's all part of it and a lot of us have done that too, right. I, I worked at a couple of shops where I was technician and
1: and writer. writer. Like yeah. I
0: had and I wasn't on flat rate at those shops. Um, but I had to sell my own tickets, I had to order my own parts, and honestly, when I went to just full technician at Firestone, I liked it a lot, because I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff, I didn't have to answer phones and deal with customers all the time, but it gave me a really good perspective on that side of it, right, because it is half of it is actually interacting with the customer and selling the work and right. pricing everything up and i think it's a good thing for technicians to understand how that works because i worked with a lot of guys at firestone who clearly had never done that and <laughs> yeah they were very short-sighted as far as how that portion of it went right they didn't to them just telling the service writer, well, let's just start with six coils and six plugs and we'll see where we go. Yeah. And for the tech, whatever, they're gonna get paid their flat rate and then if it doesn't fix the misfire, well then we'll go to the next thing. But that service writer, you know, they've they've they're gonna lose face with the customer yeah. if they tell them, Hey, I'm selling you these parts, it's going to fix your car, and then it doesn't. And yeah. they're kind of in a tough spot there, right? And you know, service writers get a lot of crap in, like the Facebook groups and stuff from technicians, you know, not doing stuff right or or not understanding. But um, they get put in a pretty tough situation. So, anyways, um, I think it's a good idea. Okay, to all right, to experience it for everybody. Um, but yeah, uh, so you're in you're in North Carolina. Is that? correct?
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm out of, uh, the triangle area, like the Raleigh Durham area.
0: Okay. Awesome. And, uh, you, how long you been there, there,
1: uh, in this area, pretty much my whole life, pretty much my whole life. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, where um, where do we want to start with your story or you can uh, tell us a little bit about yourself or
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, my name's Noah. I work on uh, Volkswagen and Audi. I uh, currently work at Apex Tuning here in Apex, North Carolina. Um, and uh, yeah, I started out, um, I was actually working retail and a big, you know, car guy. So I had a bunch of car buddies and my buddies like, hey man, um, you know, I, I hear you, you know, you hate your job. <laughs> so let me, um, yeah. you should, you know, you should come work for the dealer. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know any any real, you know, good information, you know, I don't know, I just know how to make like turbos work. He's like, no, come, come write service. That's where, that's where the money is, you know, the write service. So started out as a service express writer and uh, that was interesting. <laughs> so I uh, was writing service uh, for like loop stuff. And then eventually I moved into a, like a full writing position and meanwhile, I'm just still working the cars out of my home garage and stuff. And uh, service writing, um, re- you know, like we were speaking before, really taught me a lot about the the customer tech relationship. You know, you have to balance. I know a lot of techs, you know, may not. They're like, ah, the writer, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they do get a bad rap. And some, you know, some writers can be a pain. But it, it actually made me respect the tech a lot more. Because I'm like, I saw situations where techs were, Putting everything they had into it, and sometimes taking a loss for the customer, and I I don't really think the customers really understand that. On the flip side of it, it also made me understand of the situations where, um, you know, just how to how to speak to a customer. You know, uh, I think texts are, can be a little rough edged sometimes. I'm like, man, I, you know, sure. this thing's, this thing's piece of junk. You know, I was like, oh easy. <laughs> easy. <laughs> so getting that customer relation. So I, I really, I feel like I got a PhD in customer, uh, if that's a thing. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it was a Volkswagen dealer and you know, anytime I bring up Volkswagen, they're like, Oh, water leaks and, and wiring. Uh, that's really true. Um, so I found wow. I found that fifty percent of my experience was extremely negative because the customer had just bought the car or it was just out, like just outside of warranty and now this car is full of water and every wire is going off, you know? And no customer wants to pay yeah. ten hours of labor to have some tech, you know, diag every every wiring. So it just wasn't fun. <laughs> you know. you you're getting yelled at by the techs, the parts department. And the customer, you know, as well as sometimes your boss, which is, you know, wanting certain things as well. Um, so, you know, I was like, you know, I work on cars. Cars are, are what I love and not really customers, you know. <laughs> so I went. Right, right. I, I, I went and I went to my boss one day. You know, I, I really thought about it because I'm starting to hate to come to work. And I do, and I'll go, go into this later, but I did not want to be the guy that had been working there for 10 years and just hated every day. Um, so I went to my boss one day and I was like, listen, you know, the money's great. You know, you're, you're, you've been really good to me, but I, I want to go work on cars. That's what I want to do. If I got to quit, I'm going to, I'm just going to go work on cars. And he was like, well, you don't have any training. Um, so you can, we can start you in the loop bay. And I was like, all right, well, you know, you're gonna to have to take the dive. And uh I took a pretty pretty gnarly pay cut. Um I, I won't say what it is, but it it was a lot. It was, you know, I mean you know what a loop tech gets paid. It's it's not much.
0: Sure.
1: Um I also wanna thank my wife uh that was probably the craziest decision I've ever had to pitch to my wife. She's like, You wanna make how much? <laughs> so
0: so, come home with uh, dirt under your fingernails and everything Yeah, like she's that. like, what are you doing? Uh, so, okay, so prior to this, you said you were working on cars at home. So you didn't go to tech school or anything like that? No,
1: I didn't go to tech school. Nope.
0: Okay. So you just kind of, did you just pick it up, uh, learn from your dad, something like that? No, no. So, uh,
1: here, here's a funny story I think people like. my. I had a, you know, I got this like uh, beat up Acura for my first car. 91 integra so yeah i was fixing that all the time uh but but my buddy he saw that and was like oh that's that's where i want to be for sure so he got a more beat up honda civic and um we're we're 16 we're 16 and uh this thing was like it it was like every mechanic's nightmares blowing coolant out of all four cylinders so my yeah i got i got like you know, he was like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I don't know what to do either. He grabbed a jack stand. I grabbed a jack stand. And, like, six months later, with and my father, he he knew a little bit about cars, but not much at all. And we had a, a Haynes manual and a dream, and we made it happen. That was awesome. Like, my, my entire summer was just like, I don't know. You're supposed to torque these? I ah, guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it kind of gave me, like, an idea of, like, if you put your mind to it, um, you know, you, you, you can do it, you know, but you, you will have to, you know, sometimes you, I'd have to reach out to somebody and say, Hey, you know, just getting that basic resources, basic. And, and to be honest, I think everybody knows that a 92 Honda Civic is the easiest car to work on. So, um, but yeah, just, you know, just kind of, uh, tinkering and messing with stuff. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I was a little naive. I was like, Oh, you know, I've, I've done a strut before. I know, you know, it's gotta be all the same. It is, that was a, a huge curveball. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: yeah, and then going to Volkswagens from, uh, from a Honda Civic as a little bit. Of a yeah, too. <laughs> I, I'm
1: not even gonna lie. I was a big Honda guy, and I'm like, when my buddy was like, "It's a Volkswagen dealer," I, you know, it was my only in. So I was like, ah, Volkswagens, you know, I don't know, and uh, like within the first month there. Um, you know, I'm getting in these cars and I'm like, man, I know this sounds silly, but I was like, man, the buttons click like, like on the, on the little, the little knob buttons. And I started to fall in love with the stupid car <laughs> uh-huh. and, uh, uh-huh. you know, just, just, I guess just German, um, they, they pay attention to detail where maybe most people don't care. Um, the felt in the, in the glove box, the felt by where the cup holders are. I like that stuff It's cool. So I ended up sure. buying a Volkswagen, uh, while I was at the dealer. Um, so yeah, I started to like the brand. I started to like the brand. So, um, yeah, that kind of led me on to even more passion. I was like, man, these are really good cars. I'm seeing these technicians do amazing work. Um, you know, if uh-huh. I, if I applied myself where my passion was, you know, I could go really far, you know, I mean, I was, I'm good with customers, but, um, it was passion wasn't there, you know, that's, that's going to be, you know, a big thing for me is just, um, you know, falling where I would like to go, I just I've seen a lot of guys and technicians too, that are that are like, man, you know, I just I hate it, blah blah blah. I hate working on cars, and you know, and I've heard a lot of guys will say, well, I liked working on cars in the beginning, you know, but later on, I just, I, you know, I just hated it, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to be that guy. If I I feel like if I find myself, and I know this is easy to say when you're a younger guy, but I feel like if I find myself working on a car, and I'm just like, I'm miserable. I'm going to find somewhere else. You know, I'm going to find something else to do. I don't think that's going to happen for yeah. me, but, um, just being miserable at your job is, is not a, and there's a lot of that. There is a lot of techs that, um, you know, they're, they're there because they're making a really good wage. Um, and I, I, I totally get it, but they hate it, you know? So,
0: yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of people in general that, you know, they, they go to work and they're doing what they have to to pay the bills, but they absolutely despise, you know going into work every day and that 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 sucks if you can you should get out of that um even if it is a pay cut um because you know the money's not worth being like you said being miserable every single
1: day i had to man i had like a like a heart to heart in my like with myself in the car because i was like you know it, it, it was not even though it was not an easy decision and i was like would i rather be miserable or whether I'd rather take a pay cut and be happy. And truly, like, even though the, the, the finances were stressful, um, I was a lot happier. You know, just way happier in general. So, definitely worth it.
0: All right. So, you end up going to the Lubrak. How old are you at this point? I'm just curious. Uh,
1: I think I'm, like, 21, 22 at this point. Okay. All right. So, yeah, so I was like, well, you know, I know how to, I know how to talk to customers and I know, you know, I know how to put turbos on cars and stuff. Nah. So the biggest thing I learned, yeah, that you just, any, any guy listening to that is going to laugh and be like, what a what an idiot. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so I, I definitely, I just, I realized quickly, I was like, Hey, listen, this is not applicable to, to, to these cars and to how this is going to work. Um, what was going to say the biggest thing that I learned, I was like, so what am I going to learn as a, as a lube tech? And this is always glossed over by other techs is if you think about it, a lube tech has a very specific process, right? Um, like Volkswagen sets for their tech and all manufacturers, I'm sure set like, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. They have a whole, like, you know, call outs of checking all the lights. It's two technicians. You're checking all the lights, um, looking over the car. One guy's writing everything down. The other guy's doing and it's a process, um, the process of like, uh, and this is little teeny tiny things, like pulling the dipstick, putting the cap on, on, a, on a spot, um, you know, doing the, the filters on most Volkswagens are up top. So you always do the filter up top and you, you know, go ahead and do that then and then lift the car. Um, uh-huh. it, it, it's, a little, it's a little teeny process, you know, check the tires, check the brakes. Um, that was a big thing. And one thing as a loop tech that I had to learn was maintenance schedule. Um, you know, because you have to, you have to, um, you know, know when things are due and, and suggest them. Uh-huh. So, man, I probably spent like two months just reading the maintenance schedule over and over and over again until I was really confident with it. Um, I, I, I want to say, I really want to say this though. I, I feel like a lot of guys come out of school and they go right into being a technician, and they're worried about you know diagnosing cars and you know trying to you know get that flat rate going. And they never really get that basis of, of learning the car's maintenance schedule forwards and backwards and just like uh-huh. like having an exact process for just doing like loop work. Um, you know, I, to this day, still torque the drain bolts. I'm that guy, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but it, it built a process. So, um, you know, I've been there for a couple months and I'm like, hey, like, you know, I'd really make a good technician. I've really made, and everybody's like, sure you would, bud. <laughs> and uh, and you know it just didn't seem like um, it didn't seem like it was going to happen for me. You know I didn't have the the uh, you know certificates and all that stuff. Um, so I was like, well, I'm a really good lube tech, but that's not enough to become a technician. So I spent and, and we're it was a it's a fairly slow shop, if I'm being honest. There's only one lube bay, so I spent every single day. I would read the SSPs. I would annoy the master techs. When we had m- half of our shop as a master tech, I'd annoy them. I'm like, how, okay. h- how, did you become a master tech? What, what did you do? You know? And they would tell me their story. Yeah. Um, and then when I couldn't do those things, and I didn't have a car. I was cleaning and learning how to like, uh, service our, you know, our little machines, the tire machine and all that. Um, and again, still a lot of texts, they might be like, well, well, like who, who cares? Um, one major thing that this gave me an advantage in is master tech or because the master techs to me were the guys that mattered. I wanted their, I wanted them to know that I wanted to be good, you know, and that I could be a good tech and they'd walk by and they're like, dude, you've been cleaning this machine all day. Like, you know, thumbs up, man. And I started earning, you know, earning respect. You know, I I was, Uh it's it's kind of like a bank account. You know, you you start to earn that respect and then suddenly he's like, all right, man, come over here and, you know, help me with the pry bar. You know, you, you can't just walk, One. that's another thing too, is you, you cannot just walk into a shop and expect everyone to show you things. There's res, you have to earn respect, as, especially as a young guy and as a young tech. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're, and I've seen lube techs do this, if you're on your phone, leaned up against your toolbox, eating snacks, you will get, <laughs> you will get that exact same treatment when you need help. Like, hey man, ah, there's yeah. something wrong with this car, and they'll be like, okay, well, <laughs> there's the scan tool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: get up on your phone. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, good okay. luck, but, um, so yeah, I mean, and they were like, man, you know, you're you're doing good work, you know, you're 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 not slacking off, and eventually I got to a point where I had their respect for sure. Um, so you know, I went to my boss one day. I was like, hey man, I really want to be a tech, you know, and he was like cool, you know, <laughs> and okay. I, he, I, for whatever reason, he did not feel, we had three positions at this time. He did not feel the need to make me a tech. I don't know why not holding it against him. Maybe there was something that I was doing wrong that I didn't know. So I went, you know, I went, um, you know, uh, tech hunting to become a tech. And I, um, you know, I've heard in a lot of these podcasts and this is one of the things why I want to get on here is, um, they're like, Oh, we can't find any texts, blah, blah, blah. So I would roll up and I'd be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a loop tech. I'm really good loop tech. I want to be a technician. I'll take whatever pay, but make me a tech. And I did probably six or seven interviews that day. And literally none of them wanted to make me a technician. Um, I can understand somewhat from a management position. You're like, I don't know you from Adam. Um, you know, you're going to have to prove yourself to me kind of deal, but, like, where we are right now, there are not a lot of technicians walking through the door going, I want to be a tech, you know. So, right. you know, it's like you have to, you're going to have to develop these guys because there's not, you know, there's not 5,000 guys graduating from school every year. Especially in our areas, you know, booming. we got shops opening up every day. Um, so, yeah, it was really discouraging. Um, at the end of the day, I did actually end up getting three offers. So I went back to my boss, and I'm like, hey, I got three offers, you know. One was like a Chevy, a Toyota dealer. And he's like, well, cool, you know, how, you know, good luck, man. And it was a little frustrating for me because I was like, man, like, you know, I was like, the other people want me, but, you know, they don't seem to. And um, I went to the, I call him the foreman um, of our shop because he's, he he's and, I, and I, if any of the other techs hear this, I love you guys, but uh, his name's Tony. And he he, he's the foreman to me because he's the go to guy, um, and he's like the word he he has a lot of wisdom. He's a wise dude. So I went to him and I was like, "What do do I do, man? Like I've got this option." He's like, "You can either stick it out here, um, you know, and and possibly be trained by me, or you can go and get your money and and you know, possibly have a nightmare. You know, you get tossed into a shop where they don't want to train you. They'll pay you as a tech, but they just send you out." And that was a fear of mine because I've heard of a lot of techs getting that treatment, you know? So I turned down all three offers and I like put my head down <laughs> and I just, I kept going. And uh, one day the boss pulls me in the office. He's like, guess what today is. Today's is the day you're going to start training as a tech. And I'm like, it's like, oh, nice. my God. yeah. <laughs> um, my how many
0: or how long did you work as a lube tech then from start to <sighs> that point?
1: I can't remember exactly, but I know it was at least eight months. Um, okay. It was getting close to a year at that point. And, and you know, for me, and I think for most loop techs after about six months, if you're, if you're pretty good, you know, cause all we all loop, we don't have like a, B and C techs. We only have, you're either a loop tech or you're a full on tech. There's no in between. I got
0: it. So,
1: you. you know, after six months of just doing oil changes, you're like, you know, I gotta do something mm-hmm. different. Yeah.
0: And I mean, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you know, six months or even a year, not that long. But I know what it's like when you're 21 or you know, 22, like, whatever, how long that can feel when you're doing <laughs> like the same eternity. thing over and over again. It feels like, yeah, you've been doing this for years and you're just like, oh my God, I want to move on to something else. I, I totally understand that. I was, I was the same way. I actually worked at a Toyota dealership for... It's about six months, maybe. Yeah. Um, and that's all they had me do was oil change, run the car through the car wash, oil change, run the car through the car yeah. wash. And I had actually, I was like right about to graduate tech school. And I'm like, I want to do something. I want to get my hands dirty with something besides oil. And the, it, they had a the whole process. You had to wait and move up the, you know, the ladder, how they how they do it in dealerships. And I was like, I'm out because yeah. I got an offer at an independent and they just they just threw everything at me that I wasn't ready for. But yeah. that's what I wanted. I wasn't patient. Uh, so I, I totally understand that feeling.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, the, the feeling, too, is um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people see it as like, well, you're just impatient. But, you know, like you were saying, if you get the same mundane task and it's over and over and over again, you get tired of it. You get worn out and you get tired because if you're, you know, aspiring to be a tech, you're, you're, you're wanting to push yourself and challenge yourself. Um, and there was there was some of that. Don't get me wrong, because there was some trust, as like you know, hey man, come over here. This is a this is going to be a sensor somewhere, but I want you to you know find it every once in a while, you know, just to, just to kind of help me out. Um, but there was not enough of it, and you know you just you just get bored. So um, yeah, it 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 was it was an awesome experience. And the really you know if you're a mentor out there, I want you to I really want this to strike with you is the real reason why I stayed and took you know and and basically took a loss for two extra months is because the the guy this tony guy man i was like dude i would do anything i have to do to have this dude as my mentor because he's he's smart you know and i knew he was a good dude like like um when i say a good dude you know we have a lot of you know experience in our field um and there's a lot of guys that have, you know, 10 plus years. They're really good at what they do. However, it's also in like work ethic. And, you know, are you coming in on time? Are you, you know, grinding out these harder cars or just trying to get gravy? And this guy's in there, man, there's like a tour egg with an electrical issue. And he's spending like, you know, two, three days on it. And I'm like, man, you're, you know, you're taking a loss. And he's like, well, you know, I've got to do, I've I've got to figure this out. And that's respectable. You know, that's somebody who I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted a mentor under, you know, and, and that's, you know, yeah. that, that can be on the flip side too. Cause like he said, a lot of guys, they'll go, you know, they get a, a, an offer and there's like six positions open. You're like, Oh, why is there so many positions? And then you see these guys go in and they have literally no mentor and they have no one to go to and they start picking up habits and bad processes. And you know, that ends up leading downhill to a, a guy that's like, yeah, I was a technician and I hated it, you know? So, yeah, he yeah. took me under his wing. The first thing I learned, Sean, the first thing I learned, he's like, here is a uh, wiring diagram. I want you to tell me where 30 power and 15 power is. Day one. <laughs> Day one. And I was like, I was like uh, okay. And, you know, uh, German diagrams are still in, the like, they're, the colors are written in German. So I was like, ah, it says RO over here. I don't even know what color that is. And and, yeah, we, we started learning wiring and, um, I can't say how like, um, obviously admire the guy, but I can't say how thankful I am for that because, um, it, it like that was, that became my everything because I could read a wiring diagram Mm -hmm. and I, I realized that there are a lot of texts out there and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be like rude, but there are a lot of texts that can't read wiring diagrams or don't fully oh. understand the diagram. And at least for Volkswagen Audi, you, it's really hard to exist without knowing the diagrams. And uh, I, I later oh. found that there was, there was guys well within the Volkswagen Audi field that um, I'd be like, yeah, man, well, just, just trace this wire right here. And they're like, oh, oh, okay, I just, I just didn't know how to read that. And I'm like, you've been doing this for X amount of time, and you, you don't know, you know. So it was really oh. helpful and eye-opening for sure.
0: So when you're, when you're working with this guy, once you switched over to technician, was the apprenticeship where you shadowed and worked with him all day, or was he just there to support you while you were kind of doing your own thing?
1: Yeah, he would, uh, the, the team, I get it was, uh, most decisions were made by him. Um, obviously, we, hit, we, you know, we had an advisor and we, we had to turn something. So, but if there was a, a difficult vehicle, um, you know, sometimes he would take it, but most of the time he would be like, you know, um, he would give me the keys to something like a no start and he would be like, I want you to tell me, um, I don't know if he would give me an exact directive, but he would be like, you know, this is a difficult car and I want you to figure it out. And I would, you know, i would be like, ah, you know, that kind of panic. Um, and, um, yeah, he wouldn't really like shadow me per se. Cause he, he did how, you know, he was still partial flat rate from what I assume. Um, but okay. he would be like, you know, give me something from the vehicle. Tell me something. Tell me what's working, you know. And um, it, it, he kind of, like, built the process and kind of, like, nailed it into my head. It's like, just like you have with your, you know, your loop process and you know exactly what to do with an oil change. When we get a no start, you're going to want to build this process, you know. He kind of instilled that into my head. Um, you know, and he, and he was – so he was only a bay away. <laughs> so I'd be like, you know, I'd be okay. under the hood and he would – I'd be like, Tony, and we would just – you know, come over and help me. Um so yeah, he was he was fairly he was fairly close. In our shop, they um it's a team based system, so you have a leader and you're you're right next to your, your mentor, so to speak.
0: Gotcha. So then are you paid on a flat rate but based on what the team outputs? Is that how that works, uh?
1: Um yeah, yeah. For 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 okay. the team leader, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, and I was on guarantee for a while, so um, I took that opportunity, um, I think it was like, it was quite a while, I'm not going to lie, it was like, uh, it was more than three months I was on guarantee, and, okay. um, you know, I was, I, I'm not even going to lie, I was whining one day, I was like, man, this car is so hard, and I just, I'm getting so frustrated with it, and he was like, you don't need to be, you, you don't need to be complaining, you know, you need to be learning from these vehicles, because you're, you're getting paid. You know, you you spent this entire day. You've got three things to show for it, you know, but you're still getting paid. He's like, once you go flat rate, you you know, you you will have to be efficient at this. So you need to take every single hard car. And that's why I'm giving you these really difficult cars that are going to kick your tail, because once you, you know, get flat rate, these things are going to get easier. And and they did. And I started to kind of look at it differently when we had a more difficult car. I'm not going to say I was an angel, but I would try to take the more difficult and, and frustrating cars and that I, I am glad I did that now looking back. Um, you know, there's still a lot I, I have to learn, but, um, you know, these like crazy, uh, these, these, these very sporadic issues, things like that. Um, I learned far uh-huh. and, and, you know, like, like you said, I was still getting paid. So, um, it definitely helped me when I got flat rate for sure. Um,
0: well, yeah, those ones that kick your butt; those are the best training, right? For I mean, sure. It's it's tough and it's frustrating, but yeah, at least if you have the comfort to know I am getting a paycheck at the end of the week, it, it um, takes the stress it makes out, makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. When you're on flat rate and you know you're losing your ass because you're you're just on one car and you're watching the guy in the bay next to you knock just out the five, yeah. It, it the frustration is not only the car, but now your paycheck and every all the bills that you got to pay. Um, and that, that is where flat rate can, can really go wrong for people. I was lucky, too, to be on hourly for the first uh, four years of my actual technician career. And it was just the shop I worked at. That's just how they paid. Um, and there was still pressure to get stuff done, right? Right. Um, you got to get the cars in and out. But at least I had that security, so it gave me... Uh, a little bit of relief when I'd get stuck on something for a while but yeah those cars are the best teachers for you in the long run you just have to push through and and make it happen on on each one of those but I mean good job taking on those cars a lot of people would actively avoid that stuff
1: oh yeah well like I said I have I I probably have to thank him more because uh because he, he would be like, no, no, you're not taking the brake job. No, no, you're taking the, you know, the Touareg with, with with the, with the water leak and four wiring issues. You know, I didn't, I, <laughs> I shouldn't make it out the where I didn't get like the total nightmares, but I would get, you know, a lot of the no star. It's a lot of the, you know, and it just built that process. And you got to remember, I went literally from going, doing nothing, but we didn't do brakes. We didn't do brake flushes. Might have done one transmission service the entire time to full on diagnosis, so the mindset was it was w- there was a big jump there you know because you you definitely have to change your mindset of how the vehicle works you know that started now that I know the, how the how the where the wiring's going okay, why is the wiring from the bCM going to steering column control module you know things like that, and you start to see how the car connects you know so and then the, you know these these more difficult issues, um, you know, you start to say, okay, well, this is why this happens. You know, you start to put together the car's communication um, system, you know, so... Well,
0: and not only just the wiring and stuff and understanding the components, but just understanding electrical concepts alone. Did he help you out with that as well? Because if you hadn't gone to tech school, um, where did you... Gain the knowledge of his, How he, electricity works yeah,
1: he, he taught me a lot of that stuff um, But I think it was um, we. I did end up going to um, Volkswagen Academy um, oh, okay. How Volkswagen Does it now, how they used to do it And it's changed probably six or seven Times already since like 2000 um, You know how most of the master techs told me Is they used to have like a I think it was like a two year school I, I could be wrong but it was a long school and you would go in, you would do your UTI, you know, get your certificates, and then you would go to Volkswagen school, and they would teach you A to B. And now how they do it is they call it, like, intro, intro to Volkswagen, um, but it's two full weeks with an instructor, and it's like, this is exactly how we do it, uh, which is really helpful. Um, there's a lot, there's, there's almost too much information in just those two weeks to, to absorb it all but it was really helpful uh-huh. to understand um like how the company thinks about things you know um okay uh i i I wish i could give you an exact example um but i i I I can't think of anything right here on the spot but there was a lot of things okay like uh, like like terminals like how how a specific Volkswagen terminal i know some some guys may already know this but you know there are differences you know they use Bosch style stuff you know it was um, it was really, um, an interesting class and it kind of taught me, it, again, it taught me how to, um, look at the communication system, but it also taught me like, this is how the engineers are looking at this, you know, uh, Okay. if that made sense. So yeah, it's, I started to understand, you know, resistance, um, and, and things of that nature through that class. Um, and I came back, you know, and, and w- definitely picked up at a lot faster pace after that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think anytime you come back from a good training event, you're just pumped. Uh, yeah, yeah, to, oh yeah, you
1: know. yeah for sure. And uh, well, uh, not to backtrack too much, but that's one thing I, I enjoy about this podcast is I like, hearing some of these guys, and I'm like, man, like, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to hear that dude speak, you know, kind of deal. Um, for sure. Uh, yeah, and training is a big. That's another thing I want to mention too. For a young tech such as myself, is like that's a big deal. Um, I don't feel like any tech that has less than five years of experience should not be getting some sort of training. Cause you know, I mean, I think it's all, it's been said a million times. The industry's you know evolving. One thing that I'm really grateful for at the dealership is I was seeing like, I'm in there, it's my first year. And I'm like, this is an extremely complex car. Like I know I'm not working on a Land Rover or what, what have you, but I'm like, you know, some of these cars have two BCMs. I'm like, Holy cow. You know, there's, I'm, lo- I'm pulling up my module list and it's 20 plus modules, you know, on this 2020 and I'm like, and it's still yeah. loading, it's still, I'm like, no <laughs> you know so, right. it, it taught me the, it, I'm not gonna continue to repeat it, but it taught me the importance of, like, I have to know this car and I have to know electrical to work on this car because it's more than just brakes and ball joints at this point, I've got module failure all the time on these cars, you know so, for sure.
0: Yeah, and that that evolved so quickly. At least from what I remember, because when I started, it was a PCM. Now, granted, I didn't work a ton on Europeans, but it was a PCM or an engine computer, ABS and airbag, and like. When, when I went to tech school, those are the modules they talked about. And that's what you'll have to deal with. And maybe you'll see some luxury vehicle and it's got a few more. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you see, start seeing more and more and more. And then, yeah, like I said, now there's 50 of them that you're trying to go through. And God, if you're not familiar with the vehicle, I don't even know yeah. what the acronyms are a lot of the time. You know, what's, what's a ZWR? I'm like, uh, I don't even know what that does, <laughs> yeah. let alone where it is. Um, it, it's crazy. Um, and... I guess an advantage would be working on the same brand.
1: Oh, I, like, I, I have mad respect for you if you're working on... If you're going from GM to Ford and then you get an Audi and then a Volvo, I <laughs> mad respect for you because I, I would not know what to do with myself. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I've got a Mark III in my bay and I'm looking through this wiring diagram and I'm like, where does this go? Where does this go? And I realize this entire vehicle runs off four modules. Four. <laughs> I was like <laughs> You know, I get to you get to you get to you get to mark you get to Mark Four stuff which is you know two thousands and you start to see and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong but like four or five modules, maybe six if it was a high trim car. You get to mark five which is you know twenty ten, you've got, you know, six or seven modules. You get to twenty twenty you have twenty plus modules. So that car, you know, from twenty ten to twenty twenty in that ten year span has doubled. You know, and I think in the next five years it's going to triple, you know, where you have thirty, forty modules. Sure. So, you know, especially trying to, with Volkswagen, you have the ID4, and you've got, you've now got to control the battery. You've got to control the battery's coolant system. And I, I've, I, I, right before I left, I looked through the, you know, the electric car stuff, and I'm like, wow, it it just gets more, <laughs> more, you know, you have to control yeah. and maintain with electronics the entire time, so.
0: Right. Yeah, I was kind of... Yeah, I never did a whole lot of hybrid work. When I was out in the field, we'd get one in every once in a while. or You know, anything with a high voltage, we didn't, we didn't really see it that much. And lately, in the last couple of years, I've been getting more and more calls on them because, like, the old Priuses and um, there's Ford Escape hybrids and stuff, they're kind of aging now, the 2008s and stuff, and we're starting to see those quite a bit in the independent world get worked on. And I'm going out to these, and they they are, like you said, very, very complex. Just the amount of electronic equipment on a vehicle, just for the hybrid drive and high-voltage battery, there's a ton of stuff that, yeah, you got to learn all this stuff. But the nice part i found is, you know, if you can figure out one or two, you know, traditional modules, a PCM and a body control module... A lot of the same thing applies. Besides the big orange cables, right? Careful <laughs> there, but do not on touch. the like the, the yeah the twelve <laughs> volt stuff, the communication, you know, ignition circuits, grounds, like that stuff's all the same right. for all of that right. stuff. And that's what I try to do in my class too. Is like, okay, we're gonna talk about modules. I want to set you up with information that you can apply to any control module that you work on, regardless of what its function is. Let's let's figure out how to check for these basics, you know, do we have power where we're supposed to have power? How do we know that? Do we have ground? Do we have communication? Is there anything else external to this module that could be causing a fault? And I mean, you can tackle not everything, there's obvious exceptions, but you can tackle almost any, anything, even if you've never necessarily worked on that model. So. Um, there's a way, there's a way to approach it, but yeah, like you said, it just gets more and more as time goes on for yeah.
1: sure. Yeah. And that's, and that's of you know, going back to training is like, um, you know, when you, I don't think that anybody truly thinks that they know it all per se, but it, once you get comfortable with a car, you're like, ah, you know, I feel pretty good. And then it just, it just increases. And that's where, you know, as, as a younger tech, I'm, you know, I'm looking at more training. And I think if you're a younger guy, you should, because, um, you know, you, you have to catch up rapidly. you know you, you, this you know, it can't be understated. It just cannot be because coming from you know new vehicle tech, you know, and now obviously I'm in a minute I'm at an indie, um, it's like, you know this is just going, I'm gonna see this in five years and I'm gonna see more major, just absolute communication system failure. <laughs> so you know get in, getting out there and getting that training, um, I, you know, recently through the podcast and, and through a couple other podcasts, I've been hearing about a lot more training and a lot more classes, um, and I think that's a, a thing that younger techs need. We're like we need to be caught up because it's it's even harder, I'm sure, as a mentor to try to you know teach this you know young guy who won't stay off his phone, you know, this entire communication system when you know you yourself are trying to learn it as well. You know, it's yeah. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's well, and yeah, trying to teach something's definitely (laughs) one of the best ways to learn, I guess, but yeah, you should have a pretty good understanding going into it. Um, yeah. And well, the, the other thing is too, you could learn everything on a new vehicle or, you know, a newer vehicle as a young person come in. Okay. I've got, I've got these 2015s down. Um, but then it, you might depending on where you work you might run into some older stuff too and some of it relates but every once in a while you get an older vehicle and you got to sit back and think i, I had an 89 Cadillac <laughs> oh my gosh. that I had to go work on and I really had to jog my brain because when I first started as a tech those things were dying out there was there's every once in a while you get an old early 90s Cadillac or whatever with the it had a four or five uh, throttle body injection but I had to sit back and think I'm like, hang on a second, it's been a long time. And so you um, you push buttons on the HVAC controls. You push off and I think it's warmer. you hold it for I think it was like five seconds and then the digital dash will pop up and you can scroll through the data stream and you can scroll through codes and you can run bi-directional controls all through the HVAC <laughs> controls for the engine computer, which I mean for 89, that was actually pretty yeah, impressive. Super high tech. Um, but, but anyways, I, the point was there is even if you get everything down now, the th- the thing is, is there's 20 years plus of vehicles out on the road that might come into your bay and you've got to be able to work through that somehow so it 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 benefits you if you can take that mindset to hey I can take my knowledge that I've gained and start applying it to something maybe I'm not so familiar with because you know that happens all the time in this industry no matter how much training you go to you're going to get something that you're unprepared for in some way
1: for sure for sure
0: all right so uh, where are we at with your career path here you were
1: um yeah so uh, I was, cha-
0: or being mentored in yeah being mentored said,
1: in um uh w- yeah got through got through that you know initial um kind of break-in phase so to speak and um uh, got out started doing uh flat rate. started really just you know getting get, get good at it you know getting a good flow going um yeah obviously not efficient yet but still Of learning and going through, and uh, all I had was this. um, I gotta shout him out one more time because this dude's amazing. All I had was this little roll cart, and you know, he sees sees me out here. I'm trying to turn, you know, make money, and I've got like four wrenches, you know. And uh, one day, uh, this guy, he used to be our old foreman, his name's Charles. He shows up with, uh, with his car and he's like, Hey, man, help me unload this stuff. And I'm like, All right, and um it's all these new tools. I'm like, dude, this is wow, man, you know, just pulling out new tool after new tool. And he's like, Hey man, you know, um, you know, guys, guys have told me you've been doing a good job. Um, and I wanted to give you kind of like a booster, you know? So you get, you know, I, I here was probably, I don't know, at least, at least $800 worth of nice tools. Um, that, that, you know, he got me set up and I, I ended up finding out that my mentor had, you know, had, had a lot to do with it, you know? And man, I couldn't say when, when that happened to me, especially as a new tech, I couldn't tell you how, how like grateful I was. Um, cause you know, yeah. you, you, as a, as a, as a new tech, you see more of your failures than you see your successes, you know, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. uh, you're uh-huh. constantly screwing up and, uh, getting yelled at. So, uh, it can be interesting. So, uh, yeah, it. it Doing that as my mentor just meant that, and one thing he, the, the guy, Charles, our old uh, foreman said, he was like, man, I don't, I was like, dude, like, thank you so much. He's like, I don't care what you do as much as I care how you do it. Do not be a sucky tech. And I, that has stuck with me to this day. He was like, do not be a sucky tech. He was like, I was like, all right, I, I will do my best, you know, um, yeah. So, um, that was a huge boost to, to morale. Um, so yeah, so I started going flat rate, start kind of, you know, cranking out, it was, I was feeling good. Um, and then, um, it was probably a couple months go by um, about a year in roughly my timeline's a little rough, but, uh, uh, COVID hits. Uh, I, the, the day I purchased my, my first house, one of my, my proudest achievements, um, we shut down the state, um, which, yeah, years. which was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Um, and yeah. n- now mind you, there's a lot of experience in this shop. Okay. They do not need a young guy <laughs> at this point. We went from, we went from, I don't know, like 50, 60 cars, 70 cars a day, something like that to like two, I mean two for 12 guys. Wow. Um, it, it was, and it was like this for, for probably like three weeks. And then they were like, I was. We were pretty all sure that there was going to be furloughs, which was terrifying. Um, And then they came to us and said, "Hey, we're going to do a we're going to do yeah we're going to do a guarantee for you guys." It was like your average pay kind of deal. So we we did that, and then around August, um, yeah, around August of last year, you know, it started to pick up. Man, we were like actually like cranking cars again. Um, and so they're like, Hey, you know, you're making above your average, like, uh, we're going to take you guys off. And that was great. Um, so yeah, I'm still working and, and kind of grinding out. Um, man, well, the one thing that really did bother me, especially being a young guy and you know, keep in mind that, um, you know, getting a bad habit of a tech is to look around, and find, you know, everybody else's flaws. Okay. And I don't want to be seen as that, but I was seeing, um, another tech who's not there anymore was, was churning out crazy hours and you uh, do, he was he just, wasn't doing a good job. Right. And my mentor had taught me, you know, my mentor didn't turn crazy hours either. But again, he was a good da- guy. But my mentor taught me, like, if you're going to do something, you're going to do a good job. You know, we're, it's Volkswagen. We're 50 percent of it is wiring and water leaks and, stuff. you know, you kind of you do what you can kind of deal. Yeah. And this guy's over here just kind of slinging parts and sending cars. Um, and, you know, I, it frustrated me it frustrated me a lot you know some some guys can t- he was right in, he was right next to me the, like on the other um, so it frustrated me a lot and it was it was hard for me to overlook um, you know every day I've seen my timesheet and this this dude's you know making more right and again i don't want to come off as a jealous tech because if you're if you're a hard worker okay and you're grinding out that's that's nobody's business but when you're not doing good work um, and your younger guy is, is kind of, you know, kind of struggling, um, getting on his feet. It can be really, really demoralizing, you know? So oh, yeah. it, it, it kind of built up frustration and among other the other things, there were other things going on and I was just getting kind of frustrated in, in general. Um, and so I decided to t- kind of take a leap. I was just get, getting tired of the, the deal of life, I guess in general is how we could sum that up. Um, and I started to take the leap to, to indie, you know, and I, I, it was, uh, it was not an easy choice. Um, you know, cause my mentor was, you know, was amazing. Um, but I kind of felt where, and I, and I also did, I didn't just, uh, just like, okay, I'm just going to pack up my stuff and go. I kind of felt where I was in the, like the same grind every day, you know, kind of back to where the lube tech was, where I was like, you know, these are the same modules that are going to fail you know, this is the same wiring issues. I I, I wouldn't say I felt um, like confident is more of like, like competent, you know, I just, I just felt like I, I kind of knew my way around those, those warranty issues, so to speak. So, yep. so yeah, so I, I made the jump to Indy and uh, I was like, all right, yeah, I know all this stuff about these, you know, fancy modules and stuff. And I came in and suddenly I realized I could just kind of throw all that away
0: because <laughs> because
1: <laughs> indie indie life, you know, so they do a lot of, per, or we do a lot of performance work. Um, and that, that can throw a curveball at you quick. Um, you know, going in and you're, you're riding in a car with an, you know, upgraded turbo and a tune. Um, you know, sometimes it's Audi, sometimes it's Volkswagen and learning Audi as well is is a whole nother ordeal. But, um, yeah. So, it, so this
0: is a specifically Audi Volkswagen. Audi Volkswagen shop?
1: performance only. Yeah. That is, that is, that is all okay. that they do. Um, and that's why I liked it. Cause I was like, you know, I can take some of, I, some of this is going to be familiar. You know, I, most of this is mm-hmm. going to be familiar, but, um, but we, you know, I still get to a chance to challenge myself and they're like, you know, they, they kind of needed a, a, a second, uh, like Diag hand, so to speak. um, so I was like, all right, cool. You know, that, that, that could be me. So, yeah. Um, so I'll go in and was, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, you know, I, okay, like I can, I can do this. Um, and it was like starting all over again. It's like starting all over again for sure. Cause you, yeah. you're not seeing the failure of like emergency call module. If you're a Volkswagen tech, you'll know. And you know, you used to see that all the time on the new cars. I'm working with cars that have been on the road for 10 years. You know, some of them are tuned, some of them aren't. And I'm just seeing these, like, failures that I've just really not – I may have seen them once or twice, but now I'm seeing them three or four times a day, you know. Um, yeah. So it, major curveball there, but a, a good one. Um, you know, I can't say enough going from indie to dealer. I, I, I do think that one of the things – I think the training is really good at a dealership. Um, you know' adult, I, I was lucky i had a good a good dealer i had a good um, you know foreman and, and, and a, a pretty good boss um but um when you get to indie it is it is a lot different um resources change um uh you know it, it can be it can be very tough it can be very tough to kind of figure that out going from having a full you know spoil i didn't realize how spoiled i was Like I had a full parts department, you know, I had like a, you know, all these, you have all these staff, you know, everybody has a little task. And now I'm like, I am the parts department. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, was partial, I'm partially the service advisor, but we do have an advisor. Um, so yeah. And if you're a tech that is like, well, I, you know, I'm kind of bored with doing the same thing at the dealer. Going to indie could actually be a really good thing for you. Um, Uh, because you're going to just see just the craziest stuff. Like I, I know you're, you're aware of just, you know, all these, um, all these different types of failures because a lot of these people with, with some of these cars that are under a certain price range, um, you know, they, they don't want to take their car to the dealer because they know that the dealer is going to charge them X amount of money. Um, you know, they may not trust the dealer, so they're going to go to their local shop and, uh, um, and that can be, (laughs) that can be some pretty wild stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I imagine if you throw the performance side of things in there on top of everything else, regardless of the brand that you're working on, you just open up a whole new possibility of problems just that you can have, right? You get these these components and modules and, and tunes or whatever interacting with the factory setup that wasn't necessarily meant to interact with that stuff. And you can get crazy problems. I, I don't even deal with it. If somebody tells me that there, it's usually diesel trucks where I'm at. Yeah. If somebody tells me it's tuned, I say, okay, here's what I can do. I can put it all back to stock for you and then we'll go from there. Otherwise I, it just, I don't have, I don't have the capacity or the time to try to sort through all this stuff because you can chase your tail on something like that. Right. Something's been tuned out or deleted and maybe you don't even know about it and you're trying to figure out what the heck's wrong. Um, so yeah, that's got to be a whole other world of issues there, huh?
1: Yeah, um, uh, the the foreman of Apex actually wanted me to mention this. I I have this, uh, I've got this Mark III in my bay, and it's uh, it, it, it. Let's just say I want to say this gently because I don't, I, you know, I don't want to uh, make anybody upset. But it needs a lot of love in the wiring department. Somebody has done their own custom wiring through every every harness in that car. And it's been done probably six or seven times. I'll I'll send you a photo later just so you can you can admire it. Um, the, the, okay. the, the fuse few the fuse boxes hanging out from underneath. There's wires and there's there's little those little uh, caps are all over the um like oh, no. and he's like, All right, good luck. You know, and man but then then but it's a six hundred and fifty horsepower Mark III. you know, so you're like, Oh god, um so yeah, there's a lot of unknowns is what I'm getting at. There's you know the the when especially when the customer messes with their own cars. Yeah, I put on my own turbo. It's got its own uh, you know uh, tuned uh, sensor here, tuned sensor here. I took this out, and you're like, whoa! Suddenly I can't look at, uh, I can't go into scan tool, and I can't look at these you know the, these these pieces of data because you've taken them out or your tune file has just nulled it to where it's not going to read what it should read you know it's really making 30 pounds of boost but the car's computer only sees 20 cuz I guess it has to finagle like you know you know what I mean those those situations so um yeah yeah a, a big curveball to to learn um you know and in and one of the things too to admire is like at the dealer when it came to like and this is something that I didn't like is and it, you know, and a car needed an engine, or it needed uh, like cer- certain, like I guess, like fabrication, which is is you know, not many people do that, but um, we had to send them off. And uh, you know, at 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 the shop that I'm at now, it's like, no, we'll build the motor and we'll do the welding, you know. So that's that's really interesting. Although I'm I'm I consider myself as more of an electric guy, more of a die guy. Um, it's interesting to see. You know, text pulling apart engines and and replacing engines turbos being put on that keeps it really interesting you know you really and when we say this all the time you really never know what's coming through I mean it could be you know game it could be game games beetle or it could be you know a fully built you know rs7 you just don't know um, huh. uh, but yeah it keeps diagnosis interesting for especially for me um, because I I, I don't always know what I'm going to work on next or what the configuration is going to be. Um, and, and really just challenge yourself. It just really challenges you. So,
0: yeah, I got to imagine the learning curve is just crazy doing that. Do they at your shop that you're at now, do they have procedures in place as far as how to work through something like that? Like, Hey, you got this guy that did all this stuff to his car and he wants X how do you, how do you even approach that? What's your mindset going into it?
1: So I'm going to use this Mark III as an example. Um, and hopefully it doesn't kick my tail later and all the guys make fun of me for saying this, uh, okay. <laughs> which it probably will. Um, no. So the, the, the first thing we do, you know, like, so the Mark III came in, it doesn't have any, um, it, it had no, so yeah. So the Mark three came in, um, the foreman looked at it. So he's going to be the one to look at, a, you know, a, if we know that it, the car is going to be um, a severe issue or has had severe issues, then the foreman looks at it. He said, you know, he was like, all right, we've got no communication. I don't have, um, what was it? We uh, I believe it wasn't like, we don't have power to the cluster. Um, and we found that the, the main ground was like twist cap together, you know, kind of deal. So, um, we, we kind of, give get with the customer we say, Hey, listen, like, you know, I get it. The, the, the car needs some, some help. Here's what we're, here's where we're at and here's where we're going to start. And we kind of give the customer a, a kind of, um, an estimate of how much labor we may need. We'll say, Hey, you know, if you want to approve this much straight time, we will go in and we will, we will get you more information. So my, as a, as a, as a technician, my goal is to make sure my customer gets the value for that, you know? Um, So I'll go in. Look Again, this car has pretty much no communication. It's almost as if the ECM is dead. Um, So I'll go in and I'm like, all right, I want to tell the customer what I do have and what I do not have. So I go in. Okay, you know, I've I've got a good battery. Great. Okay, we've repaired the ground. Great. So now we start to go in. um, I can't communicate with the ECM. So my first thing is, do I have power to the ECM? So I check it. I do have power to the ECM. Uh, look at the fuse box, just make sure we don't have anything stupid, which it ended up being dangling underneath the dash. So that, that got sketchy quick. Um, just, just look and see, okay, I have 15 power. I've got power when I, you know, when I turn the key on to the, to the fuse box or right, do I have 15 power to my ECM? Um, you know, just kind of going through the basics. I want to find what I do and do not have. turns out I don't have spark to the, to the coil or spark to the coil. I don't have voltage to the coil. There's no voltage signal at all coming out of the ECM. Um, I was just messing with this uh, yesterday, so I don't have a full diagnosis ready for the car yet, but it seems like the sure. ECM's not putting out any information. So that's what I'm looking to give the customer, right? Because um, on a car like this, which is why I'm using it as examples, I could go for days and days and days and days telling them um, you know, things that are wrong, but what I want to give the customer is like, hey, this is what I do know. I know that if I swap the ECM, the vehicle does not respond any differently, I know your fuse box is good. I know your ECM has power, and I know your ECM has ground because I've checked all of them. From here, now we need to figure out what ECM is seeing that's making it not put out any signal to to these said sensors. You know, kind of just get a basis for the customer because you know, for a customer, it can be daunting if if somebody calls you up and just says this is a piece of junk and it's going to be you know 20 hours of straight time. You know, do you want you know? Uh, you gotta give them kind of a a, a ballpark of like, look, we'll, we'll, we will work with you, but you know, we also have to have you understand that this particular situation is is complex. You know, we'll, we'll do the best we can for the customer yeah. and and and, and I, like, give them the best value that they can get. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I've run into. I had a Land Rover the other day, and I. I don't particularly like European cars, but I'll, I'll, I'll look at them for diagnosis and the, the shop wasn't even really sure which problem they were after, which that alone didn't strike me as very good he's just like well just scan it and see what's going on with it you'll you'll know and i went in and the dash is a christmas tree and the thing's got like 50 codes in it um which you know european cars you pretty much always have codes but this thing's got every light on and all kinds of different warnings it's not like a single com issue and so i went up to the guy i'm like hey this thing's got way more than just one problem you know you call me out here for a diagnosis you know i charge my hour i was like this if you if you want to know everything this is going to be hours and hours and hours of work. Do you want me to do that? And he talked to his customer and they, they figured out exactly what it was after. But yeah, sometimes you get into this stuff. You're like, I, where I, do we start? All this out, but yeah, yeah what? <laughs> <laughs> which direction do we go? Um, I you know, and I even remember stuff like that in simpler cars at Firestone. We a car come in with a check engine light, right? And it's got six, seven codes that aren't all related and trying to explain that. I mean, sometimes just the service writer, but to the customer in a lot of cases, like, Hey, this is multiple problems that we've got to sort through. This is going to be multiple diagnosis here. And, um, yeah, not, not, not all the customers actually.
1: Yeah. understand that.
0: that concept.
1: Yeah. And that's one thing going back to being a writer, um, is, one thing you have to understand is if you get in there and you've got, you know, if you've got 20 codes, you know, you got to make sure that that stuff's documented, you know, because then that means yeah. when they come back and they're like, oh, the, you know, it's still misfiring. You're like, hey, listen, you had these misfire codes. You know, I quoted you diagnosis to, to look at it or, or whatever your process is, right? Because I know some shops are different, but I quoted you to, to look at this and to, so we could figure it out. But, you you know, you haven't this this takes the strain off of the service writer for looking bad. And this takes the strain off the shop for looking bad and, and you, you know, because you've got all your proof in your in your documentation that, that you, you know, you did what you could for the customer if they don't want to put several thousand dollars in their car. You know, I, I I understand that. You know, but we also you know try to give them the big you know that the the idea. Hey, Mr. Customer, you know it's a you know gent- gently say this gently, but like it's an eight hundred dollar car, and we've got twenty codes in the. I did have this recently. We've got twenty codes in the ECM your abs module is trying to catch itself on fire you know you know what i mean just give them the the idea (laughs) of 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 where their car is at and if they don't want to spend the money and i can respect that i don't want a a customer to to spend a bunch of money on their you know their their cheap car if that's not what they want to do you know um really in general i don't want them to spend a bunch of money on a cheap car but um you know you do what the customer wants (laughs)
0: yeah yeah there's some of those uh, tickets you send up front you're like please don't sell this job <laughs> beetle
1: I don't know what it is about beetle customers I, you know every time I'm like listen you know I can I can I can make this this quick repair for you to save you some money and they're always like don't worry about it do the entire ticket and you're like oh no no <laughs> this is a thousand dollar beetle don't it's, it's gonna total your car and they're like yeah that's great yeah no do the extra do this hires too I'm like what <laughs> yeah beetle customers are different they're different. Uh, but we love them, um, <laughs> um, for sure, for uh, sure. Funny.
0: Yeah, we had a we had a service writer who he was pretty new to the the whole industry, and he just he wasn't the greatest salesman. So, you know, if you really wanted tickets sold, uh, I don't know, it probably wasn't best to go to him. Send it to the send it to the boss or somebody a little bit more experienced, right? And uh, I remember. He got one of my tickets one day, and it was on, like, a 99 rusted out F-150 where it had a bunch of exhaust leaks. (sighs) There was so much rust, you couldn't even see where the studs should be on the manifold. It's just, like, flaking off, and... He sells the job. (laughs) Of course he did. And I told him, I was like, we don't want to do this. And this is the job that he sells. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Of course he did. I did a good job, Sean. You can't sell anything else, (laughs) but you sell this job. Oh,
1: my God. It does does feel like that some days, for sure. Um, Yeah, uh, one thing I did learn um, at at the dealership um, was... Uh, and and one thing they I will give them credit for, and I uh, know most dealerships do it, is we actually had to take a video. We had like a little app, and you had to click the app, and we had to take a video. Hey, Mr. Customer, my name's Noah. No. Yep. Do the whole entire car. That gave that. Although I really did not like having to get on a video and talk about it. Uh-huh. One thing that was really nice is being able to be like, hey. This is really rusty. You know, this is going to suck. Sure. Um, uh-huh. And being able to send it to the customer because then they can't say, oh, well, you didn't tell me about the oil leak. Oh, well, you didn't tell me it was rusted. So I didn't know, you know, like, hey, you know, yep. it, it gives you an opportunity and they, you could text it to the customer. So the tech couldn't see what the customer mm. texted back, but it was it gave you proof to say, you cover all your bases. Hey, your, your brakes are metal to metal. I really liked that process in documentation because it, it, it just really looked, um, you know, kind of uh, as professional as you could get kind of kind of deal. Um, but one other thing I was going to mention is at the dealership, I did have, there was a tech there um, and he, he was a master tech and he would pull a customer in um, and and talk with them. Now I know a lot of advisors out there are like, oh no, I don't want the, <laughs> the technician talking to the customer, uh-huh. but he, he kind of had a knack for it. And he would just, you know, he didn't do any of the selling, but he would just say, "Hey, you know, I want you to, I want you to see the car." It wasn't any pressure like, "You, you need to see this now, or you know, your car is going to explode." But he would just talk to the customer, just a, you know, just a small formal conversation. Hey, this is how the car looks. This is why I recommended these things. And nine times out of ten, they bought everything on the ticket because, you know, that or that they, that he recommended. Um, because you know, just the customer having that relationship, and sometimes, especially as a tech, it can be annoying because you you can get customers that uh, are are a little much. You know, uh, you kind of never know what you're gonna get when you pull a customer in the in the in the shop. But um, the customer, a, a lot of the customers really appreciate when a technician you know speaks to them. Um, you know, I found as an advisor, I could look somebody blue into the face and, and say, "Listen, you know, your tire is gonna explode." But if a technician went out there and said, "Hey, you know, your tire's going to explode," done deal. You know, they really appreciate when you when you communicate to, to them and, and you know do it in a sincere way. You know, you can tell them how you feel, but just don't mm-hmm. you know don't be rude. You know, um, and and there's been a lot of times where customers have been like, "Hey, should I should I put this money in this vehicle?" You know, I think there, there was here's a good situation. There was a, um, a a diesel, so all of our diesels are dual clutch, and the mech unit failed. Well, it was it was it was mech unit failure, but it had been it had failed for quite a bit of time. I think she had drove it like her son had drove it like six months, and uh, you know, and and as a tech, I'm like, yeah, I can put a mech unit in this, and this will your, your your vehicle will run. But you know, your um, you know, you probably damaged the gearbox if you drove it like this. It was slamming gears. You like, probably damaged the gearbox. Um, you know, do by doing this. I got to be honest with you it's like a 75% chance this gearbox is shot, you know? And I was like, I, I really just am not going to be able to tell. I'm not trying to rip you off, but this is, this is just the situation. And and the customer was like, listen, like it's a sucky situation, but I'm glad somebody just, you know, gave me the honest truth, you know? And as a tech, that's really important yeah. to the, you know, to the customer and I don't think enough technicians, you know, realize that. I mean, it really is.
0: Yeah. Well, it's really good to have, you know, as a technician, you kind of gain that foresight and things like that, you know, because maybe you...
1: Preparing the customer, too.
0: Yeah, that, hey, there could be more going on here. Um, It was, for me, it was always the old uh, 3, 4 GM V6s. If those things were over 100,000 and they got overheated it was almost guaranteed you were going to start a head gasket leak, right? Yeah. Some people come in with water pumps and radiators and stuff. And so I would tell the service workers like, Hey, you got to document, you got to tell them that yes, we can fix their water pump. That's leaking. But if they drove this overheated, it, it probably is going to start this head gasket leak Cause it happens on all of them. And, um, it, I mean, it covers you, but it's good for the customer now too, right? They're going to spend three, $400 on something. And, now all of a sudden they're eating coolant and it's misfiring and all this stuff um but that's that's on us as techs to have the you know that that foresight use our experience and and let them know but back to your original point i think it's really good for any technician out there to have that ability to communicate with a customer uh, effectively you know without dropping f bombs clearly to, to explaining things kind um you know, shower and and whatever you got to do to to be presentable, it makes a difference not only for selling work, but for doing a diagnosis too, right? If you're um, trying to actually get some real detailed information on like an intermittent problem or something like that, being able to get, you know, question the customer directly and ask them specific things that you're going to pick up on, that is such a valuable skill. I did that all the time. The diagnostic thing. Yeah, you got it. I don't know how many times I just grab a phone, I call them up like, "Hey, I'm tech it's working on your car. Let's go through this. I need to figure out what you're experiencing. It's like noises, noises were the worst." Yeah I, oh, yeah, I actually hate noise diagnosis. I'm sure the dealer you did plenty, but oh, yeah. I had to take people along with me. I'm like, "Show me this noise. I need to I need to know it." But you got to have that skill to communicate with them and and not everybody has or wants to do that, but I think it's important.
1: I think, yeah, as you mentioned the noise and that like trigger, triggered some flashbacks. So I was like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that was like <laughs> one of my favorite things is I would uh, like, uh, and I, I say this sar- sarcastically, but like I drive a car and it's sounding like you know a car. Uh, so I'm talking new cars here. So um, and the customer would be like, well, you know, I'm in a fit with the advisor. And I'd, and I'd be like, you know what? You know, I'd listen to the customer's complaint. Yeah, it's you know, squeaking on a bump and drive it and it doesn't squeak. And I'd say, you know what, Mr. Customer, I'd love to ride with you. I would love to ride with you. Like not even a smart remark, just kind of, you know, hey, I'd love to ride with you. And they love that. They're like, oh, yeah, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll show you right away. You know, okay, cool. You know, and then we you drive with yep. them, and there was it was about a fifty percent rate. Fifty percent of the time we would drive, and we would drive and drive and drive, and then customers be like, "Ah, I can't make it happen." And I, I'm not gonna lie, as a yep. as a tech, this is kind of mean, but I would just I kind of love seeing their face go, uh, it was doing it." <laughs> 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 I just loved it, and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know." Yep. Uh, uh
0: I don't know how many times that that is it's like clockwork. Yeah, it it People was not I mean, it was to happen. I'm like.
1: Yeah, well, it, it also builds trust with the customer because you know I tell them all the time I'll be like, hey, listen, you know, I, obviously we're we're not going to drive this thing for an hour, okay? I, I, at this at this point, on flat rate. I'm like, we're not going to drive this thing for an hour. You, you can get 10, 10 free minutes. After that, it's a dollar an hour. No, I'm just kidding, uh, but. Uh, um, but, but you know if the noise comes back you know come back and, and i'll drive it and i actually did i had a guy he was really kind that's why i offered as much and he you know, i was like dude you know if it makes this noise i don't want you you and your family driving something you feel unsafe it's like come back you know one more open i was like i'll ride in it again if i hear the noise you know we'll we'll get you scheduled so he's like thanks man you know i really appreciate it and uh next day uh he comes back he's like he's making the noise again and sure enough, the noise had gone from quiet to like this gnarly clanking noise, like left to right, gnarly clanking noise. And it's, it was, at the time, it was very rare, but the, the steering gears can fail in these. It was a, a 2020 Atlas, and the steering gear can fail internally, and it makes like a really gnarly noise. And I was like, dude, like oh, we got to get you in a loaner car like today. So, And he appreciated that because, you know, you, you, you put in that time and effort. And where I'm going with that, I guess, is that now I have a, a customer who is going to trust me when I put a recommendation on it. It's like, you know, I'm building that equity with the customer. Mm-hmm. And that was what that other tech was doing was, you know, he talked to, hey, you know, the air filter's bad. And he was showing the air filter. And, oh, yeah, thanks. And it, it built equity with the customer. And I think that's understated. A lot of guys are just trying to put as much stuff on the RO as they possibly can and ship the car out. And it's like if you take that little bit of time, you may never be out of work. Um, We had an advisor who would do the same thing. She would just build relationships, and she was never out of work. Her phone was always ringing. You know, Um, Uh yeah. You you know, I I definitely strive to to get to that point. I'm obviously, you know, new. I'm gonna keep staying. I'm new in my career. So, um, but you know, I I know of guys that got 10 plus years, and, and people literally will not take their cars anywhere else. And texts wonder mm-hmm. why you know like oh I've, I've been doing it ten years and I don't have a bunch of customers and it's like well you, you kind of have to put the equity that guy did you know he might have he might have had to r- r- you know ride around in that beetle for an hour one day to build that trust but <laughs> yep. you know a year later she may have spent several thousand dollars with him because she trusts him you know so I definitely um, you know a, a big deal for sure.
0: That's what most people, I would, most if not all people who are bringing their cars in to get serviced want is somebody they can trust. Yeah, it, that's it's a big that's deal. That's really what it comes down to because it's such, there's such a veil over you know, what we do for somebody who has no clue about this. Um, they, they just want somebody that that's going to be honest and straight with them. You know, um, so yeah, if you can be that guy or girl... I mean, you, you're going to have a ton of customers. Yeah, it's <laughs> that yeah. simple.
1: And and one thing I I actually do really like about the shop that I'm at right now is, you know, I came in and I'm like this flat rate tech, and I'm like, I can sell all these services on this car. It's it's like you know, it's 10 years old. I was so excited, you know, because you don't you don't see a whole lot of you don't like that that 2010 vehicle. You're not seeing a, a whole lot of them at the dealer. You, you're seeing some, but you're not seeing every car is not a 2010 with 150,000 miles to, to a flat rate tech. That's it's pretty good work, you know. Um, and yeah. the the focus of the owner was like, yeah, I mean, if that's what they need, like, if you know, if their brake fluid uh, looks like a swamp, yeah, we want to service it. But our main focus is addressing, you know, concerns. And what that does, uh, you know, what he explained to me is what that does is it brings the, the customer's, you know, alertness of like that, that defense mechanism down a little bit more, you know. Cause now you don't have like, Oh, your all your fluids are bad and, and this and that. And we need to do this air cleaning service and all this stuff. They, they build their guard up by, by doing that. You know, yes, we want to do what's on the maintenance, you know, what's on the maintenance booklet. We want to do the correct thing, but we, what we don't want to do is have a customer on their toes, you know, walking in the door their you know, their first time here, you know? So that was sure. a, definitely a, a major, a major change for sure.
0: Well, what uh, what's next for you? Where do you see your career going from here? Man,
1: I gotta be honest with you. I'm I'm following these. I'm following a lot of these podcasts, and um, you you know, again for me, I was like, okay, you can you can change ball joints, um, or you can like check power and ground modules and call Techline, and that was kind of where I was for a while. <laughs> I didn't really see that there was really anything else. And um, you know, then I started to understand that I was doing a lot of A tech work, you know, at C Tech Pay, at least at the de- at the dealership. And uh-huh. I, you know, from from here, um, I just wanna increase as a diagnosis a technician, you know. Um and I say that loosely because I, I don't think that um I don't think I'm the best tech by any means. I don't think I have everything down, but um I do have a really good understanding of communication systems. Um, yeah, I've been following, I've been listening to jar, uh, Jarhead Diagnostics and uh, and the, yeah. these other podcasts. I want to get really good with an oscilloscope. This is what I want to do. I want to be the oscilloscope guy. I freaking love squiggly lines. That's what we call the shop. Squiggly. <laughs> oh man, you get the squiggly line thing out, and I'm like, yeah, man. You know, like you, you don't you can do more than just a compression test on these cars. And they're like, ah, oh, you know. I I recently got a U Scope. Um, I've been loving that thing. I used it a lot on the Mark III. Um, You know, just just being able to see signals and prove things. You know, again, I can prove it to the customer. They can see, you know, they they may be able to see these things. And I can also have a more firm diagnosis. Um, Because, you know, as a dealer, you have all these resources. You know, you can call your tech line. Tech line will say, I don't know, throw a module on it. Cool. We throw a module on it. And you know, at, at an indie, there's no tech line, man. You like, you you need to you need to diagnose it. Like that customer is depending on you to fix it, and so that, yeah. that that put more pressure on me is like, hey, if you were if you were okay before, you need to become really really good at this. You know, so yeah, I think learning an oscilloscope um, and just building on electrical knowledge. Um, there's a lot of guys that there's a lot of classes I need to take. There's that that a, as TE class coming up in in uh, Cary, North Carolina here, which is right next to us. Um, I'm gonna yeah, take yeah. two classes there for sure. I mean, like that's a really great resource. Like these are things that I as awesome. a as a dealer tech, you don't know about. You're like, oh, I just take the dealer classes and I call tech line. Like that's how I felt, you know. Uh huh. And now as an uh-huh. indie tech, I'm like, dude, I can be that. I can be the tech line guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's gonna take me years oh, yeah. for sure. Yep. For, sure. Yep. for sure, it's gonna take me years. But but I could I could, you know get to that yeah. point
0: you're on the right path and yeah, I'll see you at the, the ATSC. Oh, if I bump into in you, I'll definitely one. bug so. you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing my stuff down to record. I figured it'd be a good, uh, good chance to talk with some people. So, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've got a ton of potential and you're definitely on the right path. Um, yeah. uh, do you have, uh, do you have anything else you want to add or any advice for somebody else, uh, that, you know, may have been in a similar position to where you started out?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could definitely talk for days about it. Um, <clears throat> if you're a mentor out there, I hear a lot, you know, I'm listening to these podcasts. So I'm hearing a lot of guys like, oh, I mean, all these young kids, all they do is like sit on their phones and they, you know, they never want to work and we we can never find a tech and blah, blah, blah. Like, <clears throat> I know that a young tech is a risk if you're a shop owner, but there are a lot of young techs out there. And I have these friends in the local area that are exceptional technicians and they're young. Um, And if you foster and build up a good young tech, you will not have to look for techs. I know that's easier said than done, but I feel like, you know, this is like going being that young guy and be hey man I want to be a technician and they were like oh you don't have UTI you know just get lost that's a really really silly habit to have in 2020 plus you know mm-hmm. and you know mentoring these younger guys I totally realized and I've seen loop techs that absolutely just were there for a paycheck and were not clearly not technician worthy but if you're a mentor um, if you if your tech if your apprentice sees that um, you don't really care about the customer and you're slapping on things just to make that extra buck to to hit that level, they're gonna pick up on that quick, you know. And either they're gonna say that's how so and so makes money, that's how I'm making money, or they're gonna say I don't want to be like that. I need to get out of here, you know. And mm-hmm. and the last thing uh, for a mentor is like. Um, if, you know, if you're mentoring, uh, uh, if you're mentoring one guy and you're not overloaded, I realize the load that you know, uh, you know, your boss can put on you. Put everything you can into that guy. If if he shows his worth, you know, put everything you can. Do my my mentor got me tools. My mentor showed me, you know, how you know electronics and electricity work. And he spent a lot of time, and I did a lot of stupid stuff, you know, but. <laughs> He didn't ever have that, like, you know, you're not worth it mentality. He would yell at me, but he didn't have that, you know, you're not worth it. You're just a dumb young kid. Please don't have that mentality with these with these younger guys because, you know, there are, there are guys out there. Again, there are guys out there that are really smart that probably could have gone to a college, but they said, no, nah, I want to be a you know mechanic. I want to be a technician that just need to, you know, kind of that that extra push and that extra step from a, from a good mentor that's been doing this for, you know, 20 plus years and, you know, and really knows her stuff. So if, if I could leave off on anything, that would be what I would leave off on is, you know, don't, don't give up on these young guys, man. We're, we're out there for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. in the industry, industry needs them for sure. We can't be scaring off uh, younger people uh, from this because uh, somebody's got a, Somebody's got to take over, you know, as people retire. Give right?
1: that um, Lube Tech a shot.
0: <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I've seen the um, the impatient um, tendency of shop owners, shop managers, service writers, um, and I talked about this with uh, Scott Schotten and you know they're they're up against it because they're trying to make you know, their numbers for the month, right? They're trying to hit a certain whatever, whether they're the owner paying all the bills or it's for their paycheck. And a lot of the time, they just don't have the patience for somebody who's learning and doesn't, you know, they're not productive in the way that they, they want. And so they'll run them out of the shop or they'll fire them before they even get a chance. And it's just, it's such the wrong attitude in the long run now it, I guess if you only plan on working there as a service writer for the next year maybe maybe that is the the case in some instances um, but if you're gonna do this for the long run you want to be at a shop for a long run you got to grow these guys and girls you know f- from being young and I, when I was talking about with Scott about it it's you look at like sports right. And I realize it's different, but in a way it's very similar. They draft young kids and they slowly build them up over a period of years and they put all the right tools around them they shelter them you know they don't put them in um, I'm a hockey fan, so they don't put them in situations out on the ice that it, there's a lot of you know, they're not going to put them out there like, okay, we've got five seconds left, go score this goal. They're going to allow them to have a sheltered minutes and go up against easy lines and then build up their confidence so that eventually you got that superstar, right? But it's, it takes time It for anything. You, you know, you've got to put in so many years and so many hours to get good at this. Um, you can't just be good at it. And so, yeah, uh, we gotta have we gotta have more patience for the young people and so somebody like yourself who's got passion to do it that is the person. Please, please have patience with somebody who's interested in this. If they're not interested in it, I, I don't know what, what to do. But if you got a passion, give them a chance. Wait it
1: out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know, if you foster that, you'll always have somebody. If you if you have a guy who you know you have a tech leave. You'll always have kind of, you know, somebody ready that you can pull and, and put in that situation, you know. I mean, because, you, you know, we're seeing, I look on these these groups and I'm seeing a toolbox on a tow truck every single day on these groups. You know, one guy said he he had six guys leave in a week. And it's like, you know, wow. you, you got to have, yeah, you got to have these, these younger guys, you know, ready to go. Um, or, or, at least on the, in the pipeline, you know, and, and show interest in them, you know, mm-hmm. if you're like, eh, well, you know, yeah. you're just a young dude, you don't, you don't know. Um, cause there, these 20 year old, these 20 years of experiences that you want in your shop. Right. And I understand you need, aren't, they're, they're just not, they're, they're few and far between now. You're not going to have a shop full of guys that have yeah. been doing this 20, 30 years anymore. You know, you, you're going to need to have these, these younger guys. And another thing too. Is the um, a big thing in my area? Is the push for having a UTI grad? And I'm not going to bash you if you worked mm. hard and got through school. Not going to do that. But you you tell a guy you need to go to UTI to work at my dealer to get paid flat rate, and he just took out I, what is it? Is it like it's like thirty thousand dollars here in NC? I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's very expensive. And then you you yeah, put them yeah, in there and you're like,
0: yeah, it's more than that, but yeah, yeah. And
1: then you put them in there and you're like, hey, I'm going to pay you. And it's like average starting rate here in Raleigh is like. 18 an hour it's like you know and if you're not turning 60 hours a week you know what what was that for you you, you you've told him to buy a brand new mustang right that's what he has to pay for <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, and you want to pay him the pay that uh, a base model uh for fusion would pay you know for mm-hmm. or what, what would pay for it. there you go so yeah i mean well wow. wow, that's that's the thing
0: about the, you know, different tech schools and yeah, there's UTI and, and you know, there's one in the Twin Cities here that's uh, at like $40,000. Um, I don't know if it's a year or the whole program or whatever it is, but still a ton, ton of money. And you can get fantastic techs out of both of those places, right? Like Matt Skundrich and Seth Thorson both went to UTI. Phenomenal techs. So those are just two right off the top of my head. But same time, I've worked with techs from UTI that can't fix the sandwich, right? And really what it comes down to is what you put into it because you can go to a community school, which a lot of people I know did, you know, just a regular state funded two-year tech school. That's what I did. And if you put in, you know, the effort while you're there, you can get just as much out of that as you would if you went to UTI. Now I know they specialize in stuff, but what what I'm saying is to somebody who's hiring to look for just one school, I I get it, but you can get some fantastic people that just went through your local trade school and they put the effort in. But I guess, yeah, you got to give them a shot and you got to be able to recognize... I think it comes back to the passion too. I think those are the ones that are really going to get the best out of their learning is the ones that are passionate about it.
1: So yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not at all right. saying that if you, if you went through like UTI or, or, or anything like that, that you can't make it or, or anything like that. I had a buddy that went through UTI and he told me, he was like, he's like, dude, honestly, half the guys here have, have no shot. That's what he told me. He's like, half the guys here have, have no shot. Cause they just, they're not applying them. Mm-hmm. They're in class on their phone, you know? Um yeah, yeah. but I mean yeah. he ended up going through I was like, dude, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was I was kinda negative. I was like, Do you really need UTI? you know and he ended up getting accepted to Porsche school. And now that guy's working on Porsche oh. and Ferrari. He's the same age as me. He works on Porsche and Ferrari an hour away from me. And I was like, Oh maybe yeah. I maybe I messed up <laughs> you know, so you can <laughs> you can still, you know, make that funds, but I, that guy that went through UTI and spent that money, he's going to be looking for you know that top tier uh job that you know UTI told him he would get you know you, you're not it's going to be hard to get him at a at a you know a Chevy dealer or something like that unless you're willing to pay for it
0: yeah for sure well tell you what I'll I'll title this episode UTI sucks <laughs> I
1: right? oh, have a million messages <laughs> to me oh really you think so huh Stupid loop tech, (laughs) stupid, stupid loop tech things.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank Noah again for joining me today and telling his story, his journey to being a technician. I enjoyed talking with him quite a bit. Hopefully you did as well. And I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. So let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.